Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay, Ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a... I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English, mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my s*** together, is my s*** together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So, that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello, North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Hello. Uh, Matt Byrne, I cannot hear myself. That's odd. I can hear you. Uh, well, you got to <laughs> kick it back here, bud. Sounds good. Sounds uh, SP Futures down 30. NASDAQ Futures down 86. Uh, we have the Dow Futures down uh, one. There you go. Dow Futures are down uh, 204. So we're slipping here a little bit. Uh the weekend's news, Greg. What do you? What do you? We got million million football games. We got. Uh, we got lazy boy earnings this week. Yeah, we have. Well, there you go for lazy people, lazy boy. You know, uh-huh. for this, uh, so we had we had foot we had football. We got the Bears, or even worse than we thought. We've got. Uh, actually, I thought they were pretty bad, so I'm not so sure they're worse than I thought. We have. Uh, there was yeah. some QB convert- controversy in the beginning. Oh yeah, first yeah. of all, the guy wasn't gonna. <laughs> he was. Uh, you got to speak right into that mic, but it's a check. Well, you got to point it towards you. There you go. This guy, uh, you know, amateur. He's these amateur yeah, hour in he's, here. He's younger, younger dudes, you know. Um, young guys. Looks like the uh, Southern Cal has jumped over Ohio State uh, into the top four, right? Eh? And we have Michigan playing. How the hell Purdue get in there? I have no idea. They're terrible. Mm. Mm. So I don't see them have much trouble with them, but you never know. Uh, so an interesting weekend. We also have. Uh, uh, we had Black Friday. We had, we had nine. Uh, well, we had nine billion over. I guess Thursday, Friday, or the same days. But uh, so that was a big number. Did you make any purchases? I I did not. Well, I went over. I, I uh, well, I, we had a party Saturday for the people who had Thanksgiving with their family and wanted to go somewhere to have a good time. So, well, I had dinner with my family. And it was great. So that was that was one of the few that thought oh, that was okay. Not everybody's family's like that. <laughs> Some of it are a little. It's a it's a struggle being there, shall we say? So I was I was shopping all over the place to get stuff for uh, people to come on over and shout out and watch the Irish game. Had a few domers there, um, and that didn't work out so hot for the domers. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have a. I was uh, talking to one of my buddies yesterday. We'll talk about it uh, later in the week. But he was uh, he's uh, lives in L.A. Well, he lives in Simi Valley, which I guess is close to L.A. And uh, you know, and he's been a football coach forever high school and junior college retired now but he uh, was said he told me in the spring he goes watch out for the Southern Cal they got all these transfer guys turns out they have 19 transfers yeah you gotta play the game college free agency is coming up soon too. well the, the weird part is when you get that many when you only you only can have I think it's 85 people on scholarship now of course Alabama always uh, allegedly cheated on that where they had a few people in the junior college around them that were supposedly just in case. Well, they were supposedly like the backup plan. Yeah, they were supposedly paying for that themselves, and they—I don't know if they were practicing, but they were waiting for somebody to 
you know, not, you get the call and you're yeah, right up in you there. You get the call and you're right there. Yeah. So that's why those guys always had a lot of depth. So even if they lost a whole bunch of people in draft day, they they were somewhat okay with it. And uh, they also have uh, this year. I mean, every team that seemingly is good <laughs> out of the blue has has a guy from uh, Alabama. Doesn't, doesn't Michigan have a couple guys from Alabama? Yeah, I mean, uh, in the Notre Dame versus USC game, though. I think it was all about the first quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the uh, pretty much. I mean, they had a chance to come back, but they uh, they played two, three, uh, two, three, four. It was looked you know competitive, but the first quarter was just a, you come out. A yeah, little. they came out. Of the, they came out. They had a hole right out of the gate, but they don't have they don't have the ability to come back. I mean, really, the quarterback's not that good, and the other guy's real good. The coach is questionable. Oh, I think he's okay. I just he got stuck with, uh, you know, they had a quarterback that was questionable and he got hurt for the year. Right. So now this guy is, uh, you know, he's he's short but he's slow. You know, it's a it's not a, not the great combo. Mm. But um, rivalry rivalry uh, always brings out the best. And well, I mean, so, but the weird part is now, what what do you do if you have? And it, it's an interesting phenomenon. I just don't want to take too long with this because I'll talk more about it with uh, Kevin or or Lou, but. Do you, you ever go see a college football team like practice? I've had a couple of occasions to do that. One was when Southern Cal came up to play Notre Dame, and uh, Pete Nigerian got me into. This is when Pete Carroll was there. I mean, every every school when you get these kids out of high school. I mean, this is this is back in you know when that's all you did. Well, there are always people that junior college transfers, JUCO transfers, but uh, Notre Dame never did that. Most of the Big Ten teams aren't really big on that either, so it was never a big thing in this part of the country. But in some parts of the country, it was really big. Pete told me that like Montana State and Utah State, some of the schools never even recruited a high school kid. It was just all junior college people. But you know, I don't think people do that anymore. But that used to be the thing. But but now the, the deal is is that you, if you decide you want, if it's just one transfer, it's kind of no big deal because people will sort of leave. But if you look at any team, I mean, the Southern Cal comes in and you know there's eighty some guys show up. They they walk into Notre Dame Stadium and I they see these guys walk by me and there's. They're way bigger than me, and I go, okay, that's the D line, <laughs> you know. And then there's other guys that walk by, and uh, they're, uh, you know, some of them were Samoans and stuff. I go, okay, that's the O line, and you can, you know, you can sort of tell. But then there's still 20, 30, 35 people that are the DBs and the CBs are well, kind of normal size. Yeah, but they're but they're all really good football players. But you know, they're never going to play. You know, they're they're you know six two, two hundred fifteen pound white guys that can all run, but. You know, maybe maybe would be starting for uh, Northern Illinois or someplace, but they're not going to play for Southern Cal or Notre Dame or Michigan. I mean, they're there. They might be on the special teams or whatever. So every team has 15, 20 guys that if they, I mean, you might like them and they help in practice and they're spirited and they're, they're part of your team. But realistically, if you're a, if you're a vindict- not a vindictive, but a uh, you know a coach that just is you know Mr. Knife. You'd rather not those guys be there so you can give 20 other scholarships next year. Not how many you max out a year, but somewhere in all this transfer thing. So my buddy tells me Southern Cal had worked their way down to only 60-some people on scholarship. Now, how you get those other people to leave, whether you tell them, look, you're never going to play, we really don't want you, whatever it is. I mean, a scholarship is not a four-year commitment. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's a, a scholarship is the... A one-year commitment. Right. Mm-hmm. It's four one-year commitments. So you can, you can not renew it. I don't think anybody... Well, I'm not so sure schools we know about, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Purdue, I don't think they are going on that road where they just say you don't have it next year. But some coaches have been very good about getting rid of people. Johnny Majors back in the day, Bob Devaney, Daryl Royal. The whole trick is to get rid of the people that don't grow over the summer, you know, 
Well, anyway, yeah. I guess Southern Cal got themselves down, and now they get all these new people. For God's sake, the team is like doesn't even resemble last year. Interesting. Um, you know, and they obviously look at the, look at the last year. The Irish are much better than them. You know, man for man. I don't. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean they we're going to beat them big big time or anything. But now all of a sudden, these guys are. It's just I just wonder how some of the schools are going to play out in this new quote system. Well, these guys are essentially enticed by money to come from another place. And uh, as the free agency, yeah, it's basically free agency. Up, yeah, and you put the transfer in portal is free agency. And you put yourself in there, and uh, and for some people it works. I mean, uh, Kevin was telling me last night that there's I won't say a bunch of guys, but there's several guys in Notre Dame that and, and now when you get out of high school now, the summers are never yours. So you're you're in summer school right out of the gate. So uh. so these kids are there the whole time. They only get like a couple weeks home. So essentially, if, if you're a smart kid, if you take you know a couple of courses in the summer, I don't know if you can take three, but say you take two or three, whatever you can take, you're pretty much ready to graduate at the end of your third year, unless you're in like architecture or something, or physics. I mean, uh, so one one guy was he says there's a bunch of guys that are going to graduate after three years. Maybe they never even started at Notre Dame, or maybe even didn't play. They're gonna they're gonna go to some other place for grad school and, and get the grad school paid for, and they're gonna play there for two years. So I mean, it works out for some of these guys, but it's a lot different than the average fan thinks that these kids come from high school and spend four years the place. That's clearly not the same, and it's boy, it's changing very very rapidly. Um, Do so you think the name and image likeness that you have to build that over over the uh, summers too? Well, it's not it's not just somebody who's got some talent or a likeness or a name goes out and does it's all getting very very organized yeah. so I think what's happening is pretty soon every school that really wants to and I question whether all schools want to or not every school is going to you know if, if you're a, an offensive lineman and uh, you know whatever whatever name a school and you decide you want to go somewhere else in the transfer portal you know the Irish or if they're doing this yet or, or Southern Cal or anybody's going to say Hey Greg, you want to come here? We'd love to have you. you know, but they might even have, they might even have recruited you out of high school and know all about you. You know, and you've already done the research. They already know you can, you can, you know, pass the admissions. They know your grade point because people, you know, it's an industry where everybody knows everybody. So they might already call you up and say, hey, you know, we got this new deal for the O line where everybody shows up on a Tuesday night or half the guys show up every other Tuesday at some place, some car dealership, and everybody's making twenty five grand. You'll be right into that group day one. You know, so it's, it really is. I think there's money, and you're you're not going out and selling your old. Other people are doing it for you now, which is nothing more than, you know, getting. It's like a brand deal. Yeah, it's like a brand deal. Or, or guess what? You know, a Stocks and Jack sponsors the uh, the backfield at Notre Dame or something, and everybody has to go on a you know whatever a, a podcast or something for Stocks and Jacks or an ad or whatever. And uh, and by the way, you're gonna make you know thirty grand a year a piece from Stocks and Jacks or something. Good luck with that, but. What I'm saying, you know, that's kind of what's happening, and uh, you know, so I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong, or whatever, but it's definitely where it's heading. But the bad, the bad part to me is that the people are getting paid by people other than the university. So we'd be paying somebody essentially, and you know, and, and I, I don't know that if if the kid's not playing at Notre Dame, we don't say, hey, <laughs> our guy we're paying thirty grand to isn't playing. He's not, he's not doing me much good as a name and likeness. I'm going to take the kid and send him to Northwestern, where he's going to be a star. I don't think Northwestern's you know part of this yet. That's probably why they suck. Basically, they won. They're one and zero in Ireland. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having some trouble well, in the are, USA. Well, they own 10 here, right? Yeah, having some trouble and in the USA. Their, their, their season is mercifully over. You know, so, uh, they got some rebuilding to do. Yeah, so anyway, here we got, we have uh, two subjects. First of all, what's going on in the, in the, in the, uh, in the grain world? Anything? The river's mm. back open pretty much. Yeah, rivers look good. The grain markets are um, they're, they're down a bunch. So Where do you I get all that rain for the rivers to fill up? I don't know. It's, we're just a giant weather derivative. Yeah. So it's like uh, uh, the beans probably around, you know, 14 and a quarter or so um, per bushel. Corn probably around six and a half, six, six ish per bushel. And the wheat uh, right around closer to eight. But uh, yeah, we're waiting on the rail issues. We're kind of waiting on South American issues. Um, South America is now into planting, so their season's starting, and Argentina and Brazil, so where we would be tracking weather here, you know, during our, our season, now we're tracking weather in uh, South America, so. Well, what's the story on the harvest? All in, all good? Yeah, great harvest. Um, they pretty much beat their expectation. They didn't get to last year's numbers, so last year was a good year. They didn't They didn't make it to last year's numbers, the, the uh, weather kind of put the kibosh on that late into the season i thought illinois illinois had a record though illinois did well illinois actually i think tied with iowa in terms of corn which is you know right around 200 so that that's uh that's really good for illinois the beans came out well um yeah we didn't quite get to last year's levels but um the farmers farmers made a bunch of money this year and one of those one of those things you sent me said that the farmers made a whole bunch of money, but two years from now, they're not expecting them to make that much. Why is that? Oh, yeah. So you can you can lock in. A lot of farmers had locked in their input costs um, and, and their prices this year, and that worked out really advantageous to them. So the futures markets worked. Uh, everything was, everything was uh, you know, pl- as intended. Everybody kind of... So in other words, they... They were able to get their input stuff reasonably early before the prices went up as much as they did. Right. And they were able to uh, sell futures kind of at the high or at least buy puts or do something. Right. So if you're a farmer and you've got an average size farm, I don't know, 1,300 acres or so, um, your net income over the past, say, 10 years has been anywhere from you know 50000 to this year 400000 So... Depending on the your uh, your hedges and your costs of your input costs, uh, I'd say average would probably be around two hundred. So they, and that number, do they assume people are that there's an, an uh, that's a net. net I'm number. saying, is there an implied lease cost there? Or do they assume if you own your own land, I got to believe you're doing better than that. Uh, if you own the land, you're probably getting rent too. So. I'm saying there must be a, an implied lease cost in that number. Yes, yes. For most most farmers who are leasing this, yeah, this farm, this is average over everybody. So you get net farm income around, say, average for the past 10 or so, around, you know, 200. And this past year it was around 440. So, so somebody's saying, okay, the, the price of corn is, uh, what, 7 bucks or something? Uh, right, so where you lock it in has a lot to do with but it. But I'm saying you're saying it's seven. It costs you probably three to get it in the ground, so that's four. So you're getting 800 hours an acre. And oh, by the way, the acre costs you 300 hours a year to rent, so you're making 500 an acre. Yeah, so so about 
say the past three years, you know, we've been a little goofy. Say they've been making uh, a premium, so say around 300, and it get it got up to 400 or so. But next year they're estimating they're going to be under 100 again, and for the obvious reasons, you know, fertilizer, um, seed, everything related to expense travel or transportation. Excuse me, not travel. Well, it's, it's seven bucks. Is that what corn is now? Corn's yeah, around six and a, six. I can give you a fairly accurate quote right now. Let me pull it up. If we go out to, let's say July, it's six sixty one. All right, so it's six sixty one. The, uh, the the what what is the input cost now? Like there's still three, and they're not going to get eight. So they're gonna get six sixty. So there's a difference right there. It's probably gonna be input cost probably gonna be three fifty. I remember when they were like a buck fifty. Right. So the the net farm income they've they're gonna <laughs> divide it by like four or something just because. But you know that's that's how it goes. They they've had been fortunate to do if you hedged well. They've been fortunate to do way above average these past. So if a guy years. hedged well, he did better than four hundred. Is what you're saying? Yeah. They're not, they're not counting a hedge in there. I don't think. Uh. Farm income, so yeah, but they're not yeah. going to say that the guy sold at the top. They're going to take the price now. Well, if they if they have their hedge in place, and that's yeah, that's the price that they deliver. So yeah, but I'm saying you can't assume that everybody sold the futures at eleven. No, not everybody. This is it's this is straight. This spot. is yeah. This is if you average everybody out, you know, the average person would probably come well, in. Where, where's the where's the trade here though? I mean, I don't, I don't see. Used to be a lot of retail people, a lot of people listening to stocks and jacks that traded soybeans, corn, wheat. I mean, I don't see that much retail trade anymore. Is there still? Uh, not as much in the futures. I mean, the futures is now dominated by the managed money space and the the professionals. Um, I would imagine if you wanted to do farm and you wanted to do, uh, say, speculation just in this kind of area, you would go into someone like a deer. Or who's having a, you know, blowout earnings? Well, because everybody's going to buy a new tractor, right. and the, the everything's kind of tight in supply, also. So, the yeah, that's probably the better way. And the food companies, and and say Cargill or or no, Cargill is private. So, so someone like uh, ADM would be a good uh, way to play grains. Okay, so you I mean, I mean, we used to get, uh, and we had a lot of people would call all the time and say, buy me. You know, two contracts with, with ten thousand bushels of soybeans or something like that, and I mean, people it was a big. Yeah, you thing. definitely can do that. You log in on IB or, or uh, TD or yeah, you can do it here PTI. Yeah, you just log in, you hit it, and you can trade the futures. Um, I think more popular has gone to the processors, you know, and the equity space. Well, it was more it was was a huge Chicago thing when there were so many people on the trading floor trading the stuff. Right. And uh, now the, it's become less of a. The board of trade had the memberships, which gave you access to corn, wheat, beans. Well, you still have access. You just got to do it. It's not the same as you know knowing somebody. I mean, people don't talk it up as much. I mean, this year would have been a great year to trade corn. I mean, if you were right, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could you could sell some you know serious premium in, in those if if uh, if you get the same kind of price. That, well, I mean, yeah, because the corn uh, corn the premium in commodities is to the upside whereas in equities it's always to the downside you know you'll get more by selling puts in commodities you always get more by selling calls well what, what greg's talking about is people here i mean on this show you hear about it once in a while uh you hear about the volatility skew uh which means that if you have an implied volatility 
say uh, say the, the spiders are we're about 400 right now. Say, so when you go down, the, the three 95 puts might be an X volatility, but the 390s might be a little higher. You get down to like the 360s, they're going to be a lot higher, the implied volatility, because... Well, if you look at it as yeah. a fear type thing, you know, you're yeah. always going to want to... People are more scared of the stocks falling than they are rising. So they pay more for the insurance on the way down. Well, plus, you don't want the... If, if you're in the business and you're, you know, an order... Somebody who is a market maker, same way, like I used to be on the floor, all these people are a lot bigger, obviously, now, I mean, a million times bigger. Um, but the... Uh, you you got to be got to be careful of your units. When I say your units, even though somebody wants to buy, you know, the spiders are say four hundred. Somebody wants to buy the three forty puts from you. Well, you say, well, hell, we're not we're not going to go to three forty, but you still can't be short, you know, a million of them. You can't be short too many units yeah. because if it, it goes be, there, yeah, it could know. go. Well, or it could go halfway there. Yeah. The volatility could go up, and all of a sudden, something you sold at ten cents is now a dollar. Well, that's that's a problem. Yeah. That's so you no, know, people are reluctant to sell. I use the term the panic puts, but on the the first time I ever saw that is when they had options on soybeans and corn, which would have been you know whatever how many years ago, because then people there the the place you can't escape is to the upside. You panic calls. <laughs> yeah, you you never want to be caught short in some supply scenario where the only people who have the supply are you know a certain set who already know what's going to happen. So that's there's a real fear if you get caught short corn. or wheat or whatever you know you're not going to be able to get out so you pay up for the insurance you know that you can plus if corn was three bucks a bushel the chances of a real lot of corn appearing on the horizon and the thing wanting to be like you'll a, see it coming you know, because yeah, it takes hour, a whole three yeah. months for it to kind of mature that way i mean the chance of it being it plus it can't go below zero i mean so the chance of it being a buck 50 the next day or you know, well, say I guess it, it could go below zero. You know, oil went below zero. Oil went below zero only because IB sold it there. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and they're crazy. Uh, we we could have yeah. we could have a, a some firm just decide to you know take a bunch of customers out or something below zero. It, it's possible. It's not. But I mean, the, the idea though is if it's trading three bucks, and you know tomorrow you get a a massive hailstorm all over the Midwest and it wrecks the entire corn crop, it yeah. could be twelve bucks. Right. I mean, it's not you know it's not going to be. So your, your your fear of of the of the unusual event, the black swan event, is was always to the upside. Right. And so it's you, never, you never heard anybody's license plate that said limit down. It was always limit up. Right? <laughs> limit down. Yeah. yeah. Limit down would be. Uh, they, they still have limits. What are the limits? Uh, somewhere around a dollar. Oh, so they're not thirty cents anymore. They're not thirty cents anymore. You know, corn used to be two dollars. Now it's six dollars. So you know, you multiply the limits by. Right. That's in general. That's how the exchange does it. We're going to talk about it some more with Jan. But what do you make of uh, uh, the Black Friday? You know, nine billion was a lot of money, even though we're down here this morning. Mm. Um, I don't. What uh, were you concerned about? I, I don't know. How does how do these things? mean? you guys can educate me. I, I, you know, I go online once in a while to buy something, and you'll see even like a you know if you're trying to buy a shirt or a pair of pants or sweats or something, it'll say you know some firm shoves in there and says it's not. A, I don't know if they're credit card companies, but they say. Buy now, pay later. I use Apple as a proxy. So if <laughs> if we open up down 2% or whatever today, I just assume that we missed <laughs> we missed uh, whatever their target Black Friday was by 2%. You know. Well, Apple is down 2%. So. Ah, see? But, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, the phenomenon with last month, the, the credit cards, uh, when, you know, the credit card use was up 15% over last year, which is a record increase. 
and now they're saying this uh, uh, buy now pay later payments increased by 78% compared with the past week well, that's good for a firm because they lost like ninety percent of their stock value. <laughs> well, is, is this, so I'm saying this is a separate firm. Is buy now, pay later, people. Oh yeah, that was uh, I think Max Max Levchin who was here from uh, Groupon. He started a firm. Mm. Right. So uh, if I, so if I want to go and say, and that's gone Land from one hundred and thirty dollars to thirteen. So I click on these guys and I don't pay my credit card. It's a separate. Well, they are the they are the credit. So. But I mean, but I mean, if I want to use my American Express, I use these guys instead. Yeah, you don't get the points, but you can buy now, pay later. So they're, in theory, making the interest. The market has has savaged them over the past year and a half, though. They don't like that idea. Okay, but I mean, this year they seem to be doing a little bit better. Oh, <laughs> maybe they get more business, but their stock is still down ninety percent. So. Uh, well, okay. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the question we're going to have the next. Uh, Half hour is these all these firms that are down. The other article has to do. I, I did some as people remember. Uh, I did some work on the just the five six stocks up, up the five six big stocks, Fangs Plus, and a few uh, Fangs Plus Microsoft, and I had them down almost, you know, three trillion dollars, three and a half from last year. Well, this article we have here, and we'll, well, we'll now it's uh, now it's double that. Well, it's not really. It's uh, th- these guys added more more uh, stocks. They're taking the whole Nasdaq. I just took the top six. Ah, so the top six fell less than the Nasdaq. Oh uh, no! Well, no? It, well, in total, in total, market value. Well, sure. They're, oh well, how about yeah. percentage-wise? Uh, I think they probably did more. Well, hmm. Some of the ones Facebook surely did. Yeah, Facebook Nasdaq's down like what twenty-eight, twenty-nine. I'll check that out on the break. Isn't it interesting how Nasdaq? Has uh, fallen twenty percent or whatever, and they've wiped out six trillion or seven trillion, and mm. and uh, you know they the government injected <laughs> six or seven trillion before. Well, it's almost the same <laughs> number. Yeah, it's the same number. Maybe, Maybe that's just a coinky dink. No, it's. I don't think it is. I think <laughs> it's exactly they put the money in and now it's coming out. SP futures down thirty fifty. As if he's on eighty-seven. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. All right. Place your bets. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Mark Bates, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg Pappas in studio. We should have Jan Flanning in a second, and we have Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 30, NASDAQ Futures down 86. We've been here pretty much since last night. Dow Futures down 172. Individual stocks. Uh, everybody's down, but nothing sort of crazy. Apple's down 275. That's almost 2%. Uh, Chevron down 188. Cause we, they're down 345. That's almost 2%. As we see oil's down. Uh, over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX down 132.9%. FTSE down 23.3%. So not much there. Kakaran down 60.9%. So the FTSE's holding up better than the rest. As a way of review on Friday, kind of a mixed bag. The Dow snuck up 152. Just a couple stocks there were up. Uh, S&P down, a, down one, so call that flat, and NASDAQ was down 58, so Friday was a slow day, a half day, and a mixed day. Over in Asia this morning, we got the Nikkei down 120.4%. Uh, New Zealand delivered its biggest ever rate hike. Singapore inflation, say they eased a little bit in October. Shanghai down 23.7%. Uh, Hang Seng down 275, 1.6. They're reaching, well, they're still 17,297. Long way from the 14,5 they traded, but they still have all these COVID rally, or rallies, all the riots over there. So uh, China's mm-hmm. kind of doing a, a world of hurt in that place. Uh, bonds, 10-year, down three basis points, 3.67. The bond up two basis points, 1.99, but under two. I didn't think they get back under two. I was wrong again. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil, there's a big mover down 204 to 74.24. 2.7%. All the people were talking about $100 oil. I don't know what, what they're doing. Uh, Brent down 236, it's 2.8%, 81.27. Natural gas down 35 cents, back under 7 bucks, 6.66. Our Bob unchanged at 2.32. Got gas at Costco out in Orland for 3.56, which is, well, way below the 5 something. Weren't we paying 5 something? I think we were. Uh, so I think you probably still are somewhere in the city. Gold up 4.20, 17.58. Silver up 3 cents, 
2146 copper down two cents 360 we have bitcoin down 336 16214 um as it was lower than that this weekend but bounced back we have the u.s dollar against the euro it's it's kind of interesting against the uh, euro the dollar is down uh, 0.7% against the pound is flat, so that's a little weird. Hmm. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, traffic weather sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.37 a.m. on November 28th. Uh, traffic in Chicago fairly average this morning. Other than that, make sure to drive safe wherever you are in Chicagoland area. Uh, local roads may be icier than usual due to the temperatures. Uh, speaking of which, in Chicago, clear skies and 32 degrees currently. Expect a high of 49 today and partly sunny skies. Temperatures to reach a high of 58 tomorrow. After that, back down to 30s and 40s for the rest of the week. In Phoenix, skies are currently uh, uh, partly cloudy, temperatures at 44 degrees. Expect a high of 71 degrees in the afternoon. In the NBA, Bulls to play against Utah Jazz tonight. Game starts at 8 p.m. Central Time. This season, Jazz at a win-loss rate of 12-10, Bulls 8-11. Week 12, the NFL wraps up tonight with the Steelers at Indianapolis Colts. Game starts at 7.15 p.m., game favored for the Colts. On Thursday, we saw our Thanksgiving football games. Uh, Bills beat out Lions in Detroit, 28-25. Cowboys won against the Giants, 28-20. Vikings won their ninth game this season against New England uh, Patriots. Final score, 33-26. And yesterday, Sunday the 27th, we saw the Bears play the Jets and lose a brutal 31-10. Bears stand at three wins and nine losses this 2022 season. So for now, Chief, back to you. Well, they're going to get the, as of now, they're going to get the second pick. Oh, they need 15 people. So you know, online they're calling Justin Fields uh, him. That's a uh, <laughs> you know religious reference or whatever. H one M. Oh, good. <laughs> John, how are you? I'm good, Tom. Hi, Brett. Good morning. So you are uh, you're, you're feverishly doing your your Cyber Monday shopping? Oh yeah, <laughs> like I do everything, Tom. Feverishly. <laughs> yes, feverishly. You're always a feverish kind of guy. Um, I was telling uh, Greg, I talked to our, uh, our buddy Dave Murphy last night uh, re- re- regarding the uh, all these transfer portal things and how you have to get people off the team to bring the transfer guy in. I'm kind of surprised there doesn't appear to be any limit on that. Uh, I don't know if there needs to be or ought to be. I mean, there, you know, everybody, you know, I don't want to be like one of those guys, there ought to be a rule. But, uh, um, I mean, Southern Cal, I mean, that, that team's totally different than the team last year. I mean, mm. they kicked the Irish ass pretty, pretty much. And, uh, 19 new people. That's a lot. Uh, so you got to get rid of 19 if you're going to bring in 19, right? Yeah, I'm I try, trying to get my head around what kind of changes that means for um, collegiate sports. I mean, it's, it's well underway. There's nothing really new about it, but it seems to have reached a, kind of a new dimension now. And it's, it's, it seems like you know, school spirit or tradition or whatever plays less less of a role in attracting fans and, and money and everything else. So... It's all about the money up front. You'll make get a good record. So. Yeah. Well, you, you wonder. You see how the guys. You know the guys. Uh, well, don't, we'll talk more about it on Wednesday because Kevin is really up on it when it comes to basketball because that's what he covers mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. But uh, the football. I mean, it's. I mean, he. You know, he's on that a little bit, but more more so on the basketball. But it seems like all this. The, the money. The people that are raising money to attract people to the various schools that really are outside the athletic department. It's all really coming together in kind of a way that I don't know if anybody designed it or whatever, but it's 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 a fascinating study. You mm. know, even if you just look at it, even if you're not if you're not interested in, in college ball or anything, or if you never if you care about football, you're a soccer fan or whatever, but you just see how the, the rules change and all of a sudden this whole it really is follow the it's it's a fascinating economic 
Did how much is Lincoln Riley getting paid? I mean, did he follow the money to USC too? Because Oklahoma, or, probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's doing any image like this stuff, but I, I suspect he is. I mean, the schools can can now pay some. The conference can put a a limit on it, but it's it's I not know that Riley's much. house is like fifteen million dollars or something. That's mm. <laughs> oh. well, <laughs> when yeah. you move to USC, I don't know if the school bought it for him or something, but <laughs> but I. Yeah, I'm sure he's probably just living there. I mean, yeah. it's probably not his, but still, it's yeah. it's you know I don't it, it, you, you do. I mean, allegedly Chuck Muncie back in the day always had a house on the beach. He never lived in a dorm, you know. So I mean, I you know it was a long time ago. So it's a uh, but the question is, are, are well, you know, how much of it is the opiate of the people? I mean, it seems like it's a lot. I mean, colleges can yeah. crowdfund there. Yeah, they can do whatever. But uh, John, I want to talk a little bit. I sent you the stuff uh, yesterday about. These uh, tech firms, and just as a as a background, I mean, a long long time ago background. I mean, I keep throwing this history out there, and it's not like I think they're always going to repeat themselves. But when these seven or eight or five or six stocks, really four or five, were the were the fangs of the Fang Plus, got to be forty five percent of the uh, the Nasdaq. I mean, it, it it had happened before. I mean, before the two thousand or two thousand one crash, uh, the dot com bubble. There were five stocks then that were that were 48 percent of the QQQs, and really only one of them has made it back to its original price, being Microsoft. Uh, the rest of them it was was Microsoft, it was uh, uh, Oracle, uh, uh, Cisco. Um, I think it was Dell. And what was the other? Intel, and all all of them haven't really done squat since two thousand. You know, so they paid decent dividends, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying. Well, I mean, if you bought, if you'd have bought Intel in '99, or if you'd have bought Cisco in '99, it's 65 bucks. And I mean, now you're, you're I mean, the thing's 48, and you know, you're 20 some years later. I don't know what kind of. I'm not sure what kind of dividend Cisco pays, but it, you know, you, you do one when, when you do. You were just talking about on the break a couple of stocks that were trading 140. Well, this article it's in a by Rohan Goswami. Um, in the uh, the tax reality check, the industry lost seven point four trillion in one year. I mean, we're talking about market caps. I mean, this is. I did the uh, the five or six stocks a few weeks ago, and I had them down three to four trillion, depending on the day you picked. Uh, but it's this is this is interesting. At this time in twenty twenty one, the Nasdaq, which twenty twenty one was like last year for most people, uh, Nasdaq composite had just peaked, doubling since the early days of the pandemic. Well, they doubled when the government started putting money and flew right into the market, and it damn near doubled. Uh, Rivian, Rivian's blockbuster IPO was the latest in a record year for new issues. Mm. Hiring was booming, and tech employers were flying in the high value of their stock options. I mean, here we are, 12 months later. Not one of the 15 most valuable tech. This, this is remarkable. Not one of the most re- 15 most valuable U.S. tech companies has generated positive returns in 2021. Microsoft has shed 700 billion in market cap. Meta's star cap is contracted by 70 percent from its highs, wiping out 600 billion. In total, investors have lost from the top now, roughly 7.4 trillion, based on a 12 point, no 12 month drop in the Nasdaq. Well, when you say investors have lost, you certainly have lost from what where you could have sold it. I mean, there's still probably a lot of people who bought this stuff, and you know, we're still well above where we were in 2020, though. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I mean, if Microsoft was what 150 before, right. and we're still 220 now. There's still plenty of room for that to. Right, you know, come down. Well, that's one way. Or, or one I guess there's well, well, there's now there's say forty percent more, more money in circulation or whatever. So, uh, if you do, 
what 150 times 1.4 is 210 so we still say maybe 20 20 dollars more to come down well the uh yeah, the money supply i just got the well the numbers from two months ago because they don't give me the numbers anymore they're we've been down like every one of the last four or five months but john you and i well, we've been talking about this for a long time I and mean, i always not just have felt i mean i know from being in the business that when markets run up and they run down usually people lose more on the way down than they made on the way up because of margins and because of the, the, the difference in the tax law and i just i really don't see um in the market the panic i mean it's, it's hard for us to tell it at pti to be honest with you because most of our guys are are, are all head we're all hedged to some extent and that's why they have not we really don't have uh a whole lot of people that just bought, you know, 2,000 shares of uh, NVIDIA 320 and now are sucking on it basically at 161. We don't, I don't think we have anybody like that. Some of the places that I I do business for in our protected program, <coughs> they have people like that. But even even those guys, most of them bought it before. I don't know that, I mean, maybe some people bought, you know, they, they doubled up a little on the high. But I don't really see the, the, the panic, at least here, that... Uh, <coughs> We didn't ever had uh, what was the stock you were talking about? The guys that do the uh, buy now pay later. Yeah, the buy now pay later. Those guys were, they were they were how much? They were they were like one forty, and now they're thirteen. Well, I mean, so it's, I mean somebody. I, I, it's it's funny, Jan. I, I just am not down. seeing. I'm not seeing that that panic here. I guess that's really good news that our clients are you know have done a lot better. I think, uh, but our, our guys you know this year, the stuff that. We manage money for. I'm going to say the markets are down on average of what 25. I'm going right to say around there. I'm going to say our guys that are in the program are down five. If you're heavy tech, I mean, you got, yeah. you got well, really ripped up. We we you know, we, were, we had a lot of people in the QQQs, which was you know was down a bunch, but uh, we had puts the most of the way. And I mean, we're I mean, it's uh, we have, you know we have a fighting chance to be break even at the end of the year, which I don't think the market does. No, uh, no I, mean, I don't think it's going to come close to that, but. So I mean, it's 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 been a good year for us for for our dealing with our climate. It's not as as good as making ten percent, you know. But it's 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 what we were supposed to do for people. We basically did, you know. Which is oh, and that article goes on to talk about employees of these companies yeah. that you know took their compensation and stock options and have watched that kind of tank. And there may be evidence of that in the housing market. Certainly in certain parts of the country, I'm sure there is. Uh, not so much here, probably. Uh, but you're right. You, there doesn't seem to be any kind of an, an imminent, you know, <laughs> over the cliff kind of moment here, despite how bad these numbers really look. So <laughs> I was I was stunned to read that article, Tom. Well, yeah, yeah. I want, that's right. That's one of the things I wanted to talk more about you because you're that's more of so your expertise is these people. I, I didn't realize the, the the prices they were paying. Of course, I guess I should have I should have suspected with the price of real estate and everything in California. I mean, you couldn't, you know, you can't buy it if you can't pay for it. Well, most of the time, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I the when some of these numbers here, the giant's talking about, I'll, I'll dig down to the to the uh, uh, it's, it's at the bottom of this article. Giant's probably already there, but it says here uh, recruiters at, Am- at Amazon were throwing seven hundred grand at a qualified engineer at one point. Uh, Roblox, a top level engineer, could make one point two million. Wow, productivity software firm Asana, which I've never heard of. Child at stock market debut in 220 has never turned a profit, but offer engineers starting salaries of up to $198,000. Um, Some of that has to do with total comp, though, right? That, that's like reserve stock units and other shenanigans that they well, do, too. So you have, but you have, to be, you have to be careful with that, because uh, 
we had a, a client a long, long time ago. I'm talking about the 2000s. That's why it's still kind of in my mind. Uh, we had a client that had uh, a a big. He got a whole bunch of stock from Oracle, but his when you get it again, do not listen to my tax advice because I'm not a tax guy. But somewhere along the line, depending on how it works, you can you can really get screwed on this, John. Because if you if if you're if you're working at, at you know PTI and all of a sudden we give you stock in PTI at sixty bucks when you're when I say give it to you when your option is ten, you I think that it's that fifty dollars is income that day. Yeah. And if, and if you don't sell it and watch the thing go down to 30, then you decide to sell it, that's now capital loss, which you can only, you can't put those together one-to-one. One was, uh... Well, they're, either they're, way, if your salary is like 200 and then they offer you 200 or 300 in reserve stock units or whatever, those stock units are not worth 200 or 300 anymore, so... The, well, the total it, comp, I don't think, would be that level anymore. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is if you actually got the stock, which a lot of people don't till they, till they, uh, the, the day, the day the option is fulfilled. In mm-hmm. other words, you, they grant you the stock at ten bucks, and it's now fifty. <clears throat> Your income is forty. So, if, if the 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 wise man or lady, or the prudent person, not even wise, would immediately sell. Um, a third of it, so at least they have money in the bank to pay their taxes. Yeah, not a bad idea. Or you know, make it, or you just you just write it. Well, but the, but the problem is if you write it down, and then you got to pay the taxes. <laughs> well, no, you, you you have to pay the taxes, but you know you can't. If you make forty, that's ordinary income. If you lose ten, that's capital gain now because now you have it. Right. That's there's the screw up. Now what these people were able to do, and I don't know how the hell they did it, but um, you could actually. If you're a retail trader, you can you can actually take a again. This is way above my pay grade. How you do it? You can actually uh, make it a, a deduction that you are a professional trader. In which case, you're, you're <laughs> so then you could be an engineer professional trader. Well, I mean, if you if you're at home like- and then you're and you're trading, uh, you you could say that, that that's your business. In which case, you uh, you get marked the market. You don't you don't do completed sales. Interesting. So what these people Sounds ended like up doing? Sounds like a way to get audited. Well, in, in arrears, that's what they did because, <coughs> but they were able to put a, a thing together because they went to a whole bunch of seminars and how to trade options and everything. So they were able to prove to the IRS they were really professional traders. And that's how they got around. I like your plan of just <laughs> selling to pay the tax. Well, yeah, but that's the prudent thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. But, so the, the problem comes down is if somebody actually got, like John was saying, you know, a million dollars income on a stock option that he actually took the, the stock from. Now, a lot of guys never take the stock while they're there. That's why this, that's why Musk had to sell all his... Uh, he had to sell how many shares? John, what was, how many shares did he sell? Yeah, I, I can't remember the amount, but yeah, that, that, was, that was what he got into, right? Because he, he was granted, he, they said, okay, you have to use your stock option because they're expiring. And then he asked the public, should I sell it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, said yes. well, but I mean, the tax guy said, if you don't, you're an idiot. <laughs> right, but he's... <laughs> He made it seem like there was the public making like putting Trump back on Twitter. Right. Well, I mean, he's going to do that well, anyway. He, if it's a big enough number, then yeah. Well, first of all, you got to be making. If somebody gives you a million dollars worth of uh, income in a stock, said they give you they give you half a million shares of a stock where you're up two bucks from your your strike price to the, the market price they did to give it to you. Um, well, you're, you're it's a million dollars you owe. 
Well, unless you have, you know, 350 sitting in the bank somewhere, whatever your tax rate is, you better sell some of that. And that's what essentially happened to Musk, right? Right. He didn't he didn't have, you know, to scratch outside of the stock. I mean, all his wealth is in the stock. So for him, he didn't sell all of it, though, I don't think, John. Did he just did enough so he could do uh, Yeah, stock? I don't think he sold all of it. And what kind of a bond does this put an employee yeah, he in paid if you're stuck in an industry and a position that, you, you know, you, you can't change or whatever, and you're just watching your compensation plan just evaporate before your eyes. It's got to be a tough spot. Mm. Well, that's why some firms, you know, the uh, one of the ones that I know about was Bear Stearns. Because Bear Stearns, uh, the, the 401k at Bear Stearns, they really encourage people to, you know, you, most of the time people, I don't know that much about 401ks, but I know enough to be in the industry, but we've never run one. Uh, but you have all these different choices, and most, most places, I say most, I mean a lot of places have, uh, put it this way, if, if you have a 401k with a, with, a, with a doctor's group or something, um, there are going to be a bunch of choices in there. There's going to be a, a, you know, a cash money market. There's going to be a, a big cap. There's going to be an S&P. There might be a bond fund. There might be a combo fund. But there's, there's probably, what, 3 to 15 mutual funds you can select. Right, John and Greg? And, and they're usually funds of some kind. But if a firm is big enough, like a Bear Stearns or somebody, a lot of times their stock is one of the things that you can, is one of the choices. So when the Bear Stearns went down, a lot of their employees... Most of their, some of the guys, most of their in uh, retirement was in Bear Stearns stock. So the, ta- the the day they got canned, they also lost their retirement, basically. Yeah. Which was really a, a horse bleep day. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, one of the guys, I actually had dinner that night at the place one other that week uh, and with Jim Tyree, the former head of Mesro, who unfortunately died young. And he he told me, you know, I've had a rough day. Three of my best buddies work for Bear Stearns, and they just lost basically their job, their retirement, and you know, probably going to lose their house because how many people in the area lived in? Well, it was in Manhattan, so I don't know how many. Some some areas. I mean, if you if you talk about this a fiasco like Greg was talking about one of these firms, because one of the ladies who used to come on the show, uh, Robin uh, Spitali, she moved out to New Jersey. She used to trade on the CBOE and then she traded on the MX. She moved out to New Jersey, and they lived in a neighborhood that was uh, Lucent. Had their huge facility there, and they had tens, I think it was 10, 20, 30,000 people worked for the Lucent place. It was some massive number. And everybody in the neighborhood, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people worked for Lucent. And when they went under, they got bought. Didn't they move to Europe or something, John? Lucent was, yeah. one, Lucent was at one point the most widely held stack in America by people. And the thing basically went down to what a couple of bucks, and then they got bought by somebody in the over in Europe. And uh, but she said the uh, houses in the neighborhood, like virtually three on every block, went up for sale. And the ones the private school that her kid was going, they had thirty kids in a class were twenty five one year, and the next year they had fifteen. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's a. I mean, you, I mean, when you have to when you look at risk, you really have to look like around you at risk. I mean, do you really want? I mean, as much as uh, you know. People say loved working at Pullman, which I don't know if they did or they didn't. But uh, do you really want all your all your money in Pullman stock? At the same time, that's where your job is. I mean, I, I guess you don't mind some if you're a believer, but uh, you know we had worked out nicely for the Tesla guys. Yeah, well, so far. Yeah, so far. But I mean, if, if somebody had a an option, at, I mean, I didn't realize how they have a lot of them have these times on the option. But if you had a 
Well, Tesla's trading, uh, where the hell is it this morning? I got it at, um, where is it? I have it up here and I can refine it in my eyeballs. Uh, it's a 179, so it's down 356 this morning, pre-market. And if your option is at 100 and you were forced, like Musk, maybe you, you know, maybe you were there from the beginning, and you were forced to, to uh, take your option when the stock was 400 or 350, I just hope you sold some. So you have your tax, you at least don't have a tax problem. I mean, this, this gets pretty complicated on this stuff, and you, you really want to be aware. I mean, I'm not, the last thing I want to do is give advice, but except for know what you're doing. <laughs> find somebody to help you, find an accountant, find somebody, and, uh, and if you want to hedge some of it, you know, that's when you look for us. Why? Well, why? It, it, it pinpoints how fragile things can be yeah. in a localized viewpoint. If you look at a, a suburb, or a couple suburbs, or a school district, or a taxing authority, um, that's got a company like Lucent in it, or any any other company that's you know either on its way up or on its way down. Kodak. Um, it takes everybody yeah. with it. You know that's just, you know, it's like like what happened in Chicago with some neighborhoods, you know, with Sears and other outfits, Spiegel, and that just had a you know captive market around them. And when that folded, there's just there's a, a vacuum created. And you know, how do you replace that? There's no good way to do it. Actually, one of the some of the people we had over at uh, Audrey's on Saturday. Uh, one of the guys, he's a older dude, and he used to work for Ream. And he was saying how when that place got bought out, everybody in the place got screwed. All of a sudden, they just didn't have a job. There was nothing anywhere near like that around. Ream Manufacturing used to be on, what, like 76th and Kedzie or something? Yeah. And, uh, and they all of a sudden were just gone. They make hot water heaters and other stuff, but, God, it was a, they, they pumped out how many hot water heaters in that place. I've got one. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I don't, I don't know. I guess they, were, they made, they must have... Maybe they do have a factory here. Maybe they don't. They're all made overseas. I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, he said, you know, whenever everybody, you know, people, if you didn't take, they offered you some stock, and if you didn't take it, you know, you, anyway, it was a, virtually everybody came out of there with, with nothing. And, uh, you know, even the pensions were cut or something. I mean, it's, it can, it can be very nasty. I just, I'm just surprised. Uh, it's a good argument for diversification. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I, I'm really surprised. I mean, this is a somewhat of a shameless plug for PTI, but, I'm really surprised that more people are are not are just. Uh, matter of fact, I, I met at this one party yesterday. We went to uh, guys at a housewarming party. Some people had talked to me about three, four years ago about they had you know a, a retirement fan. I'm going to say a million and a half bucks that they'd saved both of them had saved up forever, but uh, they had everything else except for Social Security, so that had to be their retirement. And it, they were, I said, you know, I, the market's going up here every year, but I would I would hedge some of it and. Uh, you know, at least be in a position where you know where all your stuff is, and and they they basically said no. They were going to just you know rub, ride with the market, and they made a comment yesterday about how much money they're down this year, and I I didn't say anything. I mean, I just been like, I mean, I, I from from day one, I suppose they probably had a good enough year a couple years before to maybe they're still at that number, but they didn't. You know, they've got risk here probably, I and mean, people are convinced they still don't have risk from here, and I, you do. That's the. That's it can always get worse. It can always get worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why always, despite when you turn on the TV and you get 15 touts telling you, don't worry, it's, it's the bottom. If you're not buying, certainly hang in there. Most of the time, that's true. But sometimes, you know, it's not. You don't know which time is which. SP Futures down 29. NASDAQ Futures down 80. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. 
For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Here's the thing: if you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. So, Jen Flanagan on the phone. Greg Pappas hanging around in the studio. And we have Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures down 30. NSA Futures down uh, 86, 87 now. So, we've pretty much been here all morning. We're down 25 last night. So, we haven't really made any kind of move for any of that stuff. Uh, Jen, you've been in the, uh, you know, more of a in the real estate area and it's uh, title company kind of stuff. And you get the feeling that when this kind of stuff happens, Right now, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a more orderly retreat in the market. Maybe because it all went up so fast in one year that everybody just kind of hung in there and just went right. Maybe there's not the the usual amount of, of buying at the top and the margin buying at the top that it is normal in a rally, which would be great, actually. Uh, but you do you do wonder when you start laying off. What's this number in Silicon Valley? How many thousand people? 29,000 or something? Well, that's a, hell of a, that's a hell of a lot of houses, right? Mm. Uh you know, and, I mean, you wonder if if everybody's just kind of renting or if everybody bought before or nobody has to really... But you just get the feeling when the stuff this happens, everything gets very fragile. You know, and uh, you, you, you got all the people that have their houses at 3.5% mortgage and are now 7. I mean, we, we could grow our way out of this or just hang in there. Everybody just stay steady for a year or two. What are the chances that happen? And I, 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 or, or like Greg says, can it get worse? I mean... Well, even the Black Friday numbers, Tom, you know, which the number, you know, the sales figures are really healthy. But if you add that to what's been going on with, you know, credit card debt generally and the dropping 
you know, domestic you know, household savings. Um, the, the buy now, pay later stuff is just another extension of an already bloated credit market that shows how people who tend to overspend anyway for the holidays are just overspending now when they've kind of run out of, of other options. It isn't like this is a sign that the people's you know, household economies are in any better shape. I think it's sort of the opposite, perhaps. And that's, that's a bad omen. So. Well, the good news is well, there's two things. I actually saw uh, uh, a... Uh, it was on CNBC. I, I should have kept. It was. It was an article, but I should have kept it. It was a, a picture of the, of the part of society that has all kinds of money. A lot of it maybe because of the, you know, the COVID stuff, and then the rest of society which doesn't. You know, inflation has really hurt some people and not others. And uh, I just, I think some people are just locked out of stuff. And I just wonder when, you know, when the, when when the rubber is going to meet the road. But then again, if ever. Another thing that you could think about is. If inflation really is twenty percent or whatever it was from you know whatever whatever inflation number you pick, uh, maybe that nine was you know an under. It maybe last year was you know eight and a half, and this year was nine, and that was a disappointment because you know it wasn't up that however many percent that inflation was. So that's at least kind of what I see with with. Uh, well, the inflation is in is in various areas. I mean, it's not. It's sort of not everywhere. It's it's seemingly everywhere, but it, it sort of isn't. Um, I mean, it's. But I just wonder if, if there's the sh- the shift in society. I mean, John, you're not a big car guy, but I mean, I'm going to say that a, a real lot of people are never going to own a new car at these prices. And yet, wasn't that the idea that everybody in America should be able to afford a car of some kind? Oh yeah, we're we're talking about this at Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. just among my family members and. You know, the college-age kids in the family are just like, well, I don't need, I'm, I'm not going to be able to afford a car. I'm, I'm, cert- I'm just going to find a way where I don't need a car, which, you know, in, in certain times is, is a luxury to be able to say that. There will be times when you need a car, especially if you, if you have a job opportunity or whatever else that you really shouldn't turn down. I, I mean, I went out and bought a car to keep a job I had, you know, back in the 80s. It was a good move at the time. And that, that need will arise for people, you know, over time. But it's it's you know it, it's really out of sight for so many people now. Just at the beginning of their earning years, it's really kind of heartbreaking to hear this. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they're just going so up so high, and uh, I mean, houses are, are out of the, are out of the stretch for a lot of people. I mean, uh, and I don't see how people with the rent today in some areas, unless you're you know piling in with some people, I don't see how you're saving up necessarily for a. Uh, I mean. Well, Audrey and Nancy will be on uh, later in the show, but w- that group, I mean, they're in the, in the South Side, I mean, in Chicago South Side, and there's it's a lot of, you know, blue-collar places where, you know, they're, they're, you know, some guy's getting married, and, well, guy's getting married to some lady, imagine that, and uh, they're late 20s, and, uh, you know, he's been working as a, you know, blue-collar kind of guy and saving up money, and she might be a nurse, and she might still be living at home, and... They they actually have the the forty fifty sixty grand to plunk down in a house and they're they're, they're happy as clams they're ready to go I, mean, I wish they were paying three and a half percent versus seven since the prices haven't come down that much yet but uh, no they're 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 probably going to be fine but uh, I don't know that uh, if if everybody's in that position everybody's been everybody's been able to uh, you know uh, save up some money and you know hope somebody doesn't get sick or those kinds of things so. You just you get the feeling that that, that the uh, the pressure's on the population, and I and I don't really I don't like to see that, and uh, and I hope that we can just stay steady for a couple of years and 
people can find other jobs and other businesses come up and and there's there's more competition in some of these areas and we actually bring some of the stuff back from I mean I suppose that all could happen but boy we're seeming like we're right on the edge doesn't it you know oh, I know you know there's an interesting program on TV the other night I saw about about the problem with regulations in California for construction of new housing and how there's a huge need for more housing in California especially in certain areas I mean there's some places I'm sure where there's surplus right now but in many places there's a tremendous shortage and of course that that inflates the prices for everybody too but it's, it's practically impossible to get a subdivision built or even a multifamily building dwelt in a lot of these places because of the restrictions on you know environmental impact and you know impact on traffic and, and something has you know it can drag out for years and cost you millions in legal expenses and destroy any profitability in, in a real estate development program. So I just think that, you know, you can't have it both ways. And, uh, you know, the Silicon Valley phenomenon, I think, is, is up against something that, that isn't going to, like, let it continue because there's just going to be no end to the amount of restrictions that some of these places want to put on development. And it's not just real estate these days, too. It's in any kind of enterprise, I think. But well, Jen, any really place that hasn't been developed, and I'm not a California expert, but any place that hasn't been developed, why not? I mean, is it... Uh, Robin had some friends. Actually, the guy was a... Uh, he was the producer, associate producer of uh, the Today Show for a while, and then he did a lot on Hill Street Blues way back in the day. Anyway, we stayed at their place in Hollywood Heights. And I go out running, and they were selling home sites. I go to the edge of the road, and I look down, and I go, how the hell is this a home site? There's, there's no... It's just, it's just a hill, straight down. But at some point in California, I mean, they've got water issues, they've got runoff issues, they've got all kinds of issues. I got to believe that if you're going to yeah, drought it, that if you're going to build, take an area that somehow hasn't been developed, and and build 200 homes there, people are going to want to know, okay, where are you getting the water? Where are you where are you sending the sewage? Where are you getting the traffic is out of this, you know to the moon? I, mean, I suppose there's some questions you have to answer, but I, look at Chicago. You and I do nothing but say there's Lincoln Yards. Okay, exactly. If the thing ever comes to fruition, how the hell are you going to put 60,000 people with no rapid transit, one street that has two lanes, and two bridges? I mean, we're, we're, we're exactly, what are these people going to do? I mean, those questions, I think, are, are legitimate. Now, whether or not the politicians are just looking for their peace and say, go ahead, in Chicago, that's probably the case. But, I mean, if intelligent minds would say, all right, how exactly... Are we going to have a school here or not have a school here? Where's the school? I mean, there, there, there needs to be some, you know, planning, one would think. It's not just, you know, you can look at them as regulations, but it's also you need, I guess, when some planning, where does good planning end and crummy regulations start, I guess, is the question. Well, the thrust of this feature I saw the other night was that nobody wants to disrupt what they have. So if this means turning an otherwise quiet, bucolic neighborhood into something that's busier or has more industry in it, more traffic, whatever, nobody wants to go along with it. So pretty much any citizen's group or homeowners association can block development. And it's it's just because people are are, unwilling to change in any way. That was was the the point of this. It was a biased report, as as many of these, these things are, but I could really understand how it would be really hard to make any kind of money you try to develop real estate when you're up against this kind of an environment where people can just you know block it over the, the least little thing and drag it out for years. And the trouble here is that you know you, you've got you know you, the city wants to have 
casinos. The city wants to have new housing in the city. It wants to you take over the steel mills land and turn that into some kind of productive tax base. And all of that ca- has a price environmentally, and nobody really w- wants to pay that price. Everybody expects us to be just like, oh, it'll be just as nice a neighborhood as it used to be, maybe a little better, but they have no clue on what it would, would really mean, and nobody probably wants to put up with it if, when, when push comes to shove. They don't want a casino in their backyard. They don't want a lousy school because this one had to close. All, mm-hmm. all these people with, with legitimate concerns are like, wait a minute, what, what's this master plan all about here? It's, it's, it's you know, developing land for the people who aren't going to benefit from it for somebody else who is going to benefit from it. And that, that's, that's what a lot of people see as you know, the curse of the Lincoln Yards project to me. Well, the casino is the same way. I mean, what do you, there, there's, there's, uh, there's no streets there for people to come and go. There's no public transit. There's no, of course, maybe you don't want those kind of people at the casino, I suppose, uh, those kinds of people. But, I mean, there's no, what are they going to do with the Tribune printing presses? Where, don't they still use those things? Right. All these things you know, have a, a reason to be there, and they were, they were designed for those spaces, and they, they have kind of a right to sit at the table to decide what's going to go on, you know, on around them here. But, boy, you, you just look at the quality of planning, Tom, and forget about regulations. Just, just think about the way things are being pushed in particular directions for the way they think the city should develop. Uh, and that's just this is just one municipality, and they multiply this nationwide. But, but the whole drive now to extend the CTA up you know, to the south side to 130th Street, and that to me makes maybe that would have made sense say 50 years ago when they were doing the red line to begin with. It doesn't seem to make any sense now. Well, by the time they're done with it, it'll be it'll be uh, how long? Another 20 years? Yeah, and and, and then what what do, what do you have at the end of it? Um, I just. There's, there's an article in Sun Times on Saturday that talked about the shopping centers or the you know, the retail centers at 63rd and Racine, which you and I remember from our oh, yeah. outside days. And there used to be an LSAP on the Englewood L at 63rd and Racine, and it, of course, closed down many years ago. And now there's a drive to to put an L station back in there because this will reactivate the neighborhood. And I just I, just, I was just laughing at the end of the article because the L station. Closed because there was no neighborhood anymore, pretty much. Well, they extended it to it used to be the end of the line. Then they extended it to Halston. Yeah, and well, they went to Ashland. You know, and, yeah. and Loomis used or to be the end of the line there. And, yeah. and the the Halston district extended west all along 63rd Street. There was a ton of stuff, and it, as it gradually died up, there was no reason to have an L station there, so the L station was closed out. And now that somehow people think if you put an L station back in there, the neighborhood will just reactivate overnight, and it, it isn't that easy. <laughs> It's no, they, they put the, the subway station back in at Grand and Halston. And when that area started to build up, that, was, that wasn't used for years. Oh, yeah, but at least there was a station there because they knew yeah. they had to have, you know. And they, if, if they tried to build another station there at, at current prices, it would have never gotten built. Well, it's real, it's real difficult, uh, John. We're, we're talking about the same subject here. We, we keep dancing around it. Is is there a way for for the for the uh, the government, the industry, and the people to somehow get a plan going forward, where businesses make dough, they can they can start up, they can thrive, and they don't just get bought up by somebody else, um, or people can access money in the capital markets, even if you're not huge. Uh, can can this all work more smoothly than it is now? Because there has been times when it's worked more smoothly. Now it's not so smoothly. The big people seem to have chopped up a lot of it. Or, or, or is, is it so intertwined with 
you know, are we ever going to get a, a small co- company to come up with a new drug? The answer might be no, you know, because they can't get it through the big guys buy everybody. I mean, it's is is this, uh, you know, can we can we figure out a way that we don't have this constant boom and bust in some of these areas, and people can't afford the stuff that they used to be able to afford, and how, you know, that we get some of the people, you know, two, three, four million people off, uh, you know, some of the roles where government sends them money, and they can actually earn it themselves. I mean, can we? Can we keep working on these numbers, a percent or so a year, to where 10 years from now, things are a hell of a lot better for all concerned? Because I don't really believe, the one, the one thing, it's one of the you know, themes of the show, is I don't really think individual people for a real long period of time, for a decade or two, yeah, can move ahead despite other people. I think at the end of the day, I mean, if, if people can't afford your cars, uh, you're going to have a problem. You can't just keep you know, selling the Duesenbergs. I mean, you've got to You've got to somehow connect with people, and I don't. I, mean, it's, I don't see that necessarily happening. I mean, the, the rise of this. Uh, I wish I'd have been one of these guys who got the seven hundred thousand dollars a year at uh, Roblox, a gaming company, uh, or recruiters at Amazon. One one point two million for a for a top level engineer. Jan, why didn't we dig, take engineering? Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, but down these areas, are we going to see a, a big market crash in the real estate in Silicon Valley? Valley. I mean, I. I'm guessing that the answer is yes, but it hasn't happened yet, and I hope it doesn't. But how, how does it not? Or has it happened so fast on the way up that we're not going to notice the way down? You know, okay, that, that baseball card was 50 bucks, then it traded for 10000 now it's back to 50 I guess if we're not the two people involved in the $10,000 trade, we don't care. It, it came back so fast we didn't even notice it. I mean, is that a possibility? It sure is. You, you look at San Francisco, which is losing population yeah. now, you know, at a horrific rate, just because they haven't figured out how to to manage the city and preserve its amenities and make it attractive. I mean, it was it was a good deal to live in Silicon Valley if you had a, you know, a nice city like San Francisco nearby for culture and entertainment. Um, but if you lose that, you know, it, it is like Silicon Valley in and of itself is that great a place to live. I mean, it's got a lot of traffic issues and complicated to get around. Uh, and then you take away a magnet like San Francisco to keep people happy there. If that doesn't work, then there's, there's no particular reason why this, you know, part of the country is going to remain viable. Well, they count the homeless. Well, I mean, what, there's another reason. I mean, we can't, we can't just just to go everywhere and see the homeless around. It shows you things aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. You see them in the sub- suburbs as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've re- they've reached all the way out there. Well, because I I, I want to see, I want to see the markets go up. I want to see people be able to make investments. I want my 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 uh, my clients to make a lot of money next year, not just lose less than everybody else. Well, I mean, some people are up. Um, matter of fact, we got some people that are up amazingly. You can even know markets down because um, they wanted to overhedge or something. But uh, it's uh, you know we've had people that have done really well in gold the last few months. We have you know we have stuff, but it's I mean I really just want a general progression for everybody. You know, I don't want to see everything keep getting closed. Schools closed, and this closed, and that closed, and in some areas. And I mean, is there any chance we can get back on on the on the, the '60s or '70s train? I mean, in terms of economics, where people sort of all grew together. I don't. I don't think it's going to take a real change in leadership on both sides, or some coordination. Because I don't think a lot of people care about it now. The, the the people with the money, they're the ones that are pulling the strings of the people in Washington. It seems to me. I think that's oh, yeah. always been the case. And people are. are are in denial about it too, Tom. 
I mean, if, if you would, you know, back in the 30s or even in the 1890s, in the 93 Depression, the homeless problem was so bad in Chicago that they, they turned over City Hall and the county building. It's the predecessor to the building that's there now um, to the homeless at night. It was a horrible winter. Um, people were, were being thrown out of their homes. You know, jobs dried up. The, the economy was a disaster. And you had, you know, effectively the public buildings were, were turned into homeless shelters. But here we've got the same situation today where you, you can see tent cities in Park District parks. Yeah. And the, the loop, the whole stretches of, of the loop are just, you know, kind of, you know, elongated homeless shelters, except they're not really shelters. They're just doorways or, you know, covered areas. And you got people living there. And everybody still kind of goes about their business like these aren't, these times aren't that, that bad. They're not like 1893 or 1933. Oh, maybe maybe yeah. it's worse because we, we don't even recognize how bad they are now. Well, it's just not, I don't think it's anywhere near like the Depression where there was no nothing from the government whatsoever. Um, I, I guess the question after we've been talking about all this is, that, you, know, you know, Greg brought it up earlier, how much these stocks are way down. Are these are these stocks a buy now? Are they going to be a buy somewhere next year? I'm talking about the, the ones that uh, are, you know, that were the 150 and they're now 20. I mean, do you, do you, do you start leaking in and just hoping uh, you're probably not going to make money tomorrow, but do you want to start, you know, piling into some of these things or they just were they just were bad ideas to start with, and uh, there, there's just no money there. I mean, I, yeah, is this, this, you know, can you really bank on this turning around? Is this just is this a buying opportunity, or is it just you know put up a headstone and say nice try? I mean, are you talking of, about investing, you know, or you're talking yeah. about single stocks? Well, but same thing. I mean, uh, should well, you know, I mean, going if, back to your concentration versus diversification. I mean, that's a big difference. So, like, if you dump a ton of money into one stock that's a lot different than just you know leaking into the s&p or, or you know five percent or ten percent or whatever into the s&p every month well i guess for for me for my strategy for my as i'm trying to form it next year for my people i don't know that we're there yet so my opinion I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm confused on mine but suppose i mean right now you know i have people that give me you know seven figures and they say okay what i do now is i put it in the in one in one or several of the indices with the Protect and Index program, and we protect it, and uh, and we, you know, de- depending on the person and where, what stage they are in life and so forth, we protect it totally, or, or maybe half, or you know, maybe we're more aggressive to the upside, or whatever, whatever the conversation comes down. I mean, that's what happens when you when you when you manage for individual people, which which we do. But I guess the question is, am I, are we almost at the stage where I should have somebody who knows about all these stocks, a guy like Greg? To pick me up a, you know, a, a list of, of ten of these stocks that basically have gotten their ass kicked. It looked like they might have a decent idea. Instead of putting, you know, a million and a half comes my way. Instead of putting a million and a half in the indexes, which we probably wouldn't know anyway, but uh, leave some in cash. But say we we put a million, you know, three in the indices or a million three fifty. Should we buy, you know, three thousand bucks worth of these ten different stacks or? Or four thousand bucks for these tender. Are we re- you know, and figuring, you know, two of them are going to be clunkers, and you know, six are going to do kind of not much, and two are going to be big winners. I mean, I mean, are we, are we getting there? I guess is my question. Or am I still too early? The way I look at it is kind of you know the returns. So if you look at something like Verizon, I don't know, it's like six or seven percent dividend, um, and they'll pay you that. You know, is it worth it versus the single stock risk versus the index risk? So if you can get paid uh, four and three quarters on a one-year uh, treasury, 
you know, is is six enough from a single stock worth it to take the jump? I don't know, but that's kind of the the. And again, that's a different asset class, but it comes down to returns and well, yeah. what what's kind of the objective versus you know protection. Well, right now, I think everybody knows. You guys know. You listen to me all the time. Right now, we're we're either protected or we're in cash. You know, except for individual people that bring their yeah, own stocks. Yeah, and cash is a form of protection. Yeah, so. I've been we're again, we're going to the auctions. Costs a lot. Well, we're going to the, the well, no, we're going to the auctions every week for people. So right. we are in a thirty-day, sixty-day, one-year T-bill, and we're making you know over four percent in a lot of the stuff. Yeah, that's uh, you know, not much, but four point two. But still, it's it's better than a sharp stick in the end. Seven. Yeah, it's better than lo- but but uh, I guess my uh, at some point, you know, these these stocks that got absolutely drilled down to z- almost zero, some of which deserve to be zero probably but some don't now at some point is it is it worth it to look at least look outside the box where i'm currently are and saying you know what maybe it's next june maybe it's january maybe it's you know maybe it's one more rush down in the market i guess my guess do you guys have a an idea of when we should be me and we and you should all be kind of looking at some of these places i mean somewhere along the line here i mean microsoft is down how much I mean, is, is it a buy at 150? I probably. Is it? I mean, is it a buy at 170? I mean, depending on where things are at the time. But should we be looking at stuff like that? Always be looking at it. I mean, again, it comes down to what's the risk tolerance, what's the timeline. So if the timeline is, you know, one year, you know, is Microsoft going to move? I don't know, whatever the vol is, say 27 yeah. or 30. You know, you can you can reasonably expect that Microsoft will move either 27% in your favor or to, I, I actually don't know the vault, but say it's just the S&P in general and the VIX is 23. You know, you can reasonably assume that uh, you're, it's going to be 23 up or 23 down and then you kind of build your expectations around that. Well, I mean, giant the same way as in real estate. I mean, we're not seeing it yet, but if you see some kind of a of a crash show uh, in some areas, I mean, you know, what's, what's a house going to be worth in Silicon Valley if, if Twenty thousand people get laid off and got to sell their places. I mean, if it was a million five, if it's trading, you know, three hundred, you know, should we try and get a group together that buys ten of those houses? I mean, is there some number which the answer is yes? The question is when and how do you how do you pick it? Yeah, and time is the big factor here, Tom. That, that people really can't control. I mean, if you're looking at a you know a drop in real estate values, this this long lasting and I, I would say that the you know, twenty oh eight one was an example of a long lasting oh, yeah. especially if you take Illinois as an example. Um people their their ideas about where they can, you know, stay or for how long they can stay without any you know, prospect of growth and still be happy and still keep their head above water, that's you know, that's a, a declining prospect for a lot of people. They don't have that kind of time. They can't wait twenty or thirty years to get their money back out of something. And that adds you know, fuel to this fire about, well, you know, you've got to find the best deal. You've got to make, make the best return as quickly as possible because the longer you wait for something to turn around and, and expect it to eventually, and it doesn't, oh, that's just money down the drain, too. So the, the time and money factor is, is really hard on people. And if you have some memory of, of 2008 or, you know, of the 80s or whatever and how you know, people's patience can really get stretched <laughs> Over the years, um, and you don't want that to happen again. It kind of amps up the, the you know the flavor of everything. It makes you less willing to sit around and wait. You can't take a chance on something and, and bank on it to come around in ten years or so. There's just not enough time on people's calendars for that. Well, but, but I, I think you're right about that. I uh, 
if, if you buy something, you have to wait to make money. That's different than buying it and having it go down, you know, forty percent right. before it goes up fifty. Right. I mean, it, so I mean, I, I mean, and I know I sound negative on all this stuff, but on the flip side of it, I don't want to miss. If we have a nineteen, uh, hopefully we don't become as bad off as we were in the late seventies, early eighties. But you couldn't get somebody to buy a stock in early eighty-two, and yet if you did, <laughs> Jesus, for for forty years you've done nothing but make make money. Right. You know, I mean. Uh, I might say a stock on you know, index. You probably could buy the wrong. You could have bought, you know, GM or, or United Airlines and got nothing. But, but I mean, if, if you bought an index, you made money for forty years. And so, I don't think we're there yet. But I also don't want to discount the fact that, you know, if we keep if we have another down move, which I'm not hoping for. Yeah, but you can quantify that down move. That's kind of where I was going with the volatility part. Like, are you okay? Say if Microsoft is is thirty vol or you know, however much. You can kind of say, well, I might lose this much on this. Am I still comfortable making this? Or, and you can quantify it that way. Right. Well, and in terms of, you're speaking like a trader. I'm talking about um, if, if you... Well, if you have a million dollars and you want to put it in, in a stock, you can say, you know, what prices is good? What price does the market think, you know, this year? So you so uh, say it's up 20% or down 20%. That's, or whatever the volatility is. I mean... That's a reasonable expectation of where it's going to be based on, you know, all the data that's available and all the trades that are available. Well, then so I'm going to run over here a little bit, Matt, because we'll take a quick story. And I, and I, uh, good. Um, John, if you want, you can hang in for a few minutes with Nancy. That'd be great. Two okay. years. Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll dump Greg. The uh, we'll <laughs> Greg has to go to work. <laughs> but uh, the, one of my uh, client way back in the day when we started up uh, PTI, he was, he was this. Very wealthy guy that did, uh, you know, he did all his real estate in, in California and he did other stuff. He also was a good trader. Got a guy who was a Merrill Lynch guy in the 50s or something. Um, was a World War II vet. Uh, he, you know, he was he was old then when we were, but um, anyway. So the dude, uh, we had that huge uh, recession, you know, in the 80s. And then we started to come out of it. And, you know, by the you know, later 80s, and John's talking about, well, the, the real, after, after the real estate crash in, uh, in Arizona, uh, and they had with all these real estate areas were just in horrible shape. Well, all of a sudden, they started to uh, start building some stuff in Arizona. You know, they're building the Phoenician, they're building those places, they're getting some money, and they're building golf courses. Well, his kid went out to California to some machinery auction, and where the California was just basically flat on its ass. And he bought like three or four graders, you know, big pieces of machinery for you know for developing land and so forth. And had him shipped to Arizona. The price he got him, just as just as the business turned up a little bit in Scottsdale, Phoenix area, he was able to get more in six months' rent than he paid for the damn things. He, his payback was in six months. And so, so there is a time where you, even though you, where you you look at you know can things get worse, and am I even more worried about my clients here? You do have to keep your eye out for. Wait a minute, maybe maybe somebody's driving this stuff so far. No, I don't think we're there yet, but. What I'm saying is, you guys, I think, agree that you got to keep your eye on, hey, we could go the other way someday. And, so and we will go the, the way. The, 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 you know, the, the hard thing is where and when. Um, and you know, but, but, yeah, it will turn around. And it won't all turn around at once. And it will really turn around in some areas. And it's always, you know, how well poised you are to see that coming down the pike. Well, that's why, I mean, I think, you know, my clients, to be, you know, another shameless plug, are in better shape. To, to take take an opportunity now than somebody who just bought something at 300 and saw it, saw it went to 100. You know, th- 
did we have the best year that we would have liked to? No, but uh, are, do we still have you know virtually every arrow in the quiver? The answer is yeah. So I mean, for, so for my people, I'm actually looking you know at stuff like that, just instead right. of hoping that we're not going. Well, SP futures down 29, NASDAQ futures down 80. Greg, thank you. We'll be right back with Nancy Graham. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Well, I'm Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom. I'm Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 29. NASDAQ Futures down 77. Dow Futures down 207. Every, every stack in the Dow I have open here, uh, pre, when I say open, Trading in the pre-market is down, uh, mm-hmm. nothing massive. Uh, I've got United Healthcare down 251. They were up a bunch last week. I got Visa down 153, even though they seem to have had a pretty good uh, Black Friday. I've got uh, Caterpillar down 270, Apple down 292, and uh, CVX, uh, which we'll get to oil in a second, is down 326. CVX is Chevron Texaco. Uh, so everything everything is red there. 
Um, let's see, over in Europe, we've got some red there, but not, not horrible across the board. Well, the X is down more. It's 144, it's 1%. The FTSE was only down 0.2%. Now it's down 0.5, 38 points. And again, the CAC round down 1%, 64, uh, minus, actually minus 65. So down, yeah, pretty pretty reasonably over there. As a way of review, Friday was not much of a day. Most people missed it. That was up 152. A couple stocks were doing most of that. Uh, S&P down a, a buck and NASDAQ down 59. So it, was a, it ended up being a very positive week for the market. In Asia this morning, we got the Nikkei down 120.4%. So not horrible. Shanghai down 23.8%. And Hang Seng down 275, 1.6. So 17,297 in the Hang Seng. Again, way below like the 20,000 we were used to seeing it, but still way above the 14.5 where I'm going to say it bottomed. I hope it doesn't go below that. Uh, bonds, 10-year down 330 seconds. Uh, 330 seconds from my age. On three basis points, 367. The bond on change, 1.97, but under 2%. Uh, Japan on change at 0.25. We've got oil. This is where some of the big news is down a buck 95. And now that it's low here, buck 95 is a lot. It's 2.6 percent. We're down to 74.33 a barrel. Uh, Brent down 235, uh, 2.81 percent. Natural gas down 47 cents, 6.55. Our bob down a penny, 2.31. We got gold up a, uh, down a buck 50. It was up four bucks earlier, 17.52. Silver down three cents, 21.40. Copper down two cents, three point three dollars and fifty nine cents. We've got Bitcoin down three sixty seven, sixteen thousand one eighty four, but still hanging above sixteen thousand so far. We have the U.S. dollar, uh, which is interesting. We got the dollar is down versus the euro. The euro is up, mm. but the pound is down, which is kind of surprising. Mm. But the pound is still one twenty. It's come back way more than the euro has, so maybe that's why that's causing that today. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.38 a.m. on November 28, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago. There's an accident eastbound on the Kennedy. Happened before the I-294 Tri-State Tollway. A vehicle is currently blocking the right lane and causing delays up to five minutes. The accident is said to involve a state trooper. With uh, that in mind, don't forget uh, roads may be icier than usual this morning due to freezing temperatures. With that in mind, uh, in Chicago, 32 degrees currently. Uh, mostly sunny skies throughout the day. Expect a, a high of 49 degrees. Temperatures to reach a high of 58 degrees tomorrow. After that, back down to 30s and 40s for the rest of the week. In Phoenix, skies currently partly cloudy. Temperatures at 43 degrees. Expect a high of 71 degrees in the afternoon. In the NBA, Bulls to play against the Utah Jazz tonight. Game starts at 8 p.m. Central Time. This season, Jazz at a win-loss rate of 12 to 10. Bulls 8 to 11. Week 12 in the NFL wraps up tonight with the Steelers at Indianapolis Colts. Game starts at 7.15 p.m., game favored for the Colts. On Thursday, we saw our Thanksgiving football games, which is the Bills uh, beat out Lions in Detroit 28-25. Cowboys won against Giants 28-20. Vikings won their ninth game this season against New England Patriots. Final score, 33-26. And yesterday, Sunday the 27th, saw the Bears play the Jets and lose a brutal 31-10. Bears stand at three wins and nine losses this 2022 season. So for now, Chief, back to you. Bad news is they got five or six games left to go. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. Nancy, are you with us? Uh, looks like we lost Nancy. Well, we'll get her back. We'll get her back. Um, John, did you watch any of the games? I didn't, Tom, but I watched Mark Carmel, who won their division championship. Um, they played Batavia, so that was, that was you know something good about the weekend. But well, the quarterback's really good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a really good game. Um, I think Loyola kicked ass in the 8-8, too, didn't they? Yep, yep. Well, my buddy uh, Mark Duffy of Mount Carmel in Michigan uh, 
uh, played football at both. Had a, a, a fine day on Saturday. Michigan kicked ass. Nancy, with us? Yes, I'm here. Good. Hey, uh, uh, good to see you on Saturday. You're on with uh, Mr. Flanagan because I was I was going to talk at least for a little bit here on uh, um, some of the phenomenon that's happening in in, uh, in California with all these people getting laid off in Silicon yeah. Valley and stuff, and what that might be going to do to the real estate prices here now. It doesn't appear, I mean, you and Audrey would certainly have mentioned it, that that is, anything like that is happening here so far, and hope it doesn't, where we've had, you know, someplace laying off 10,000 people, and by the way, they all own a house. I mean, uh, you've, you've been through some of those episodes, haven't you? And they're, they're pretty brutal, aren't they? Yes, they are. When, uh, there's no, I mean, there's nothing good with someone just waking up one day and finding out they don't have their job with no warning. And such a massive amount puts so many people, such a strain on the system. Well, the uh, I mentioned that one of uh, the ladies used to trade with me, and uh, oh, actually, we used to remodel houses together. But she moved out to New Jersey years and years ago, and uh, Lucent was the big employer there. I mean, her her husband is a uh, an engineer and a home builder, so he wasn't really affected by it. But when Lucent essentially went under, so many people in the area worked there that the, the school. <laughs> The school their kid was in dropped by like forty percent employment the next year, and like half the houses on the block were all for sale the same day. That fortunately doesn't usually happen here in Chicago. We're a little more diversified, aren't we? Or a lot more. We used to be. Yeah. Well. So you're saying it could happen here? No, I. I mean, people here are more resilient and more willing to take, you know, other jobs. And because of the um, downtown and heavy downtown, I mean, we've lost a lot of industry, so who knows? But, I mean, we're the ones that have water, right? So, yeah, well. You know, they might come back. Well, you and John both are, are you know, kind of uh, not just workers. When I mean, John was a, a title guy, a title lecturer over at the, one of the title companies, and you've been doing this a while, so you have some sense of history. But I... I honestly, since I was always in the stock stuff and everything, what is it, what what happened when uh, when say uh, Western Electric went under and there were thirty thousand people that like lived in that? Was there a massive, you know, every every other house on the block uh, sold, John or, or Nancy, or was there was there uh, you know people were able to just get other jobs here and not have to move? I mean, was was it somewhat seamless or was it a disaster? John, what's yeah, your, what John? You, John, what's well, your record? In my own neighborhood where I live now, um, hi, Nancy, by the way. Um, I, I, I live up near the, you know, Lawrence and Elston on the northwest side, which was where Banker's Life had their headquarters for many years. And they had, you know, tons of office space in this area. And a lot of people in the neighborhood, you know, worked there. The people who worked there ate in the neighborhood, shopped in the neighborhood, and so on. And the, Banker's Life shut down everything at, at that intersection right before you know I moved into the neighborhood back in the 90s, and I would say that the neighborhood was forever changed by that. Um, it, it, so many you know lunch counter places, shops, grocery stores just you know left. It just folded right away, and gradually stuff has, has come back somewhat. But I would say when you look at photos of what the neighborhood looked like 40 years ago compared to what it looks like now, it's, it's kind of unrecognizable. So it's got lingering effects, even in, in just a small, you know, tightly defined part of the city. Well, I know even the near southwest side, I, I uh, was... Well, Nance, you're familiar with all those restaurants like Bacchanalia's, all those places on Oakley, and that, 
the old uh, Feebos and those places. Well, they, I mean, where Audrey's dad used to work there at Ryerson, they had a huge Ryerson metals factory. As a matter of fact, uh, her dad, remember, we, we'd drive around, he'd see the uh, John Hancock building, and he'd say, that building's never coming down. He goes, we did all the steel for that, and I, I drilled a lot of the holes <laughs> where the bolts are holding that place together. And, uh, you know, and it, you know, and he was always—he was actually very proud of that. We're talking about a World War II kind of guy. Yeah. But uh, but Ryerson was there, and uh, had a couple, another two or three places, and there was uh, uh, what's what's the uh, Romano Brothers Beverage was there. So I mean, those restaurants and stuff, God, they made money by three thirty, and there's still a few left. But I'd say that uh, the, the 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 traffic has got to be a quarter of what it was in those. I mean, people don't the the, the a, a, a big unit like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, 50,000 people. Even a place that hold that, that you know, that hires three, 400 people is, that pays pretty good salaries is a huge driver for a, for a neighborhood or for a, for a section of a city. And when you lose it, what the, but it seems like where you guys are now, uh, uh, Nancy, up in you know, the, you guys are in Tenley, Orland, but now you do, you do work all over the place. I mean, so does Odd, but I don't know that there's a, there's a signature firm out there that if it went under, Maybe one of the hospitals or something because they're, they're big employers. I don't know. If there's a signature firm that the I would say the area was at risk by. Would you? So I mean, Pandewitt, I I guess closed. Um, that was a blow. Which, um, one, which one was that? When it when it did Pandewitt. Okay. But it and it affected a lot of people. But it's not. They're from everywhere. I mean, they're just not concentrated. Everyone that lives here isn't concentrated into one place of employment. So you're not, you're not having those people. Well, how bad do you think it's going to get if this keeps up in Silicon Valley with 30,000 people getting laid off? Well, 30,000 people are laid off. You know, it's, and they're, you know it's, a, it's a high expensive area. I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound good. It, it certainly is going to have problems. Yeah, I mean, how many how many million dollar homes does it take to go on the market before they're eight hundred thousand? Well, it, the question is, who can afford to buy in that range? You're not looking at you're looking at a smaller percentage of people to begin with. Well, you probably missed it. We started the show off. There's an article here where all these uh, how much money these guys were paying for new engineers and stuff it was six seven hundred thousand a year, and that's what caused. These prices, the people bought them because they could afford them, right? I mean, it's correct. And now this is where it all changes. It's not a home. It's not really the 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 market is created so that everyone can own their own home. But they're talking something a home, not six seven hundred thousand dollars is more than a home. It's you know, it's a mansion. Well, I'm saying that's what people were making as their salary. I mean, people say, "Well, look at the rents in New York." Well, of course, they're high because I would I would expect if you know. Even now, if Morgan Stanley says, "Hey, chief, we want you out here," they're not going to be hiring me for forty grand. You know, it's going to be some—it's going to be some number that I can go out and get a nice apartment. I, I'll be holding my nose, paying for it, coming from Chicago. But hey, I, I wasn't making a half a million bucks in Chicago. <laughs> you know, I am here. So, right. so I mean, it, one kind of follows the other to a certain extent. So, what are you—what are you, you seeing? Uh, what are you seeing right now, and, and what uh, what is going on? Um, the uh, it's just. It's just dead right now. I mean, there's no one moving. Mm. Um, people are people that want to sell don't want to sell because they don't want to lose their three percent mortgage to go into a seven percent mortgage, and they're having they're struggling to make that decision. 
other people just know they can't afford it, period. So they're staying where they're at. What if people, if somebody makes a decision, like, uh, you know, say we got a guy like John who's got the young family and he's got two kids and he's got three bedrooms and all of a sudden the wife says there's another one on the way and uh, you need another bedroom and another bathroom. Well, normally, the, the smart thing to do would be to sell your starter house to somebody who's got the starter family and you go buy another one. And hopefully between you and Audrey, the, that that trade doesn't cost you all that much. You get a decent mortgage and a decent fee and she gets them a decent place and everybody and everybody's happy. Well, right now that's problematic because of the 3% versus 7 so you're starting to see right. a lot of people saying, well, hell, can I just put another bathroom and in, 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 in bedroom on this place, which which makes sense. Um, it's not it's not the smoothest way to do it, but it's 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 what the, the markets do. What, and you, uh, can you, I know the, uh, uh, you don't do the, uh, those kind of loans, but would that, would that be a second mortgage or would that be something you go to a bank? I mean, how do you get the... You have to go to a bank and you have to get... Um, it's called a construction loan, and then they have to, you have to have plans, you have to have a licensed contractor, and then they figure out what it would be worth after you put this addition on, and then they loan loan on that, and it has to come out, it has to appraise out to that value, and then you get into mortgage. But you're still getting a new rate. So you can't get, quote, a second mortgage at a second rate and have a blended rate? No. E. Not on a construction loan, no. And so a lot of people have to, a lot of people have the money to put on a addition. I mean, that's the way it was done back in the day. You could get a second they mortgage, though. Put it on. You could get a second mortgage, it, possibly. Well, it depends, see, it depends on what they own. If they only put 3% down, no. But if they put down 50 you know, if they had like 50% equity, they could. Okay. That's where the that's where the rub comes, but most people are, you know, are they're lucky to be at eighty percent of value. Most people are eighty or higher. Well, yeah, because so for me, you know, that's I, where the problem comes in. When my brother had the, the place in, in Beverly, when he had the, you know the growing family, and and he was going to put an addition on his place, and uh, I said, gee, you know, this, yeah, it's a really nice starter home. Why don't you find a starter family, sell it to them, and take the 15, 20 grand and buy a place with another bedroom and bathroom. And it's, it's kind of the way it's supposed to be unless it's all screwed up like it is now. Right. Correct. But I, I believe that people will still try and do that. Maybe they have to go further out to find out what they want or, you know, there'll be more travel time. Then they have to go buy a new car for hundred grand. Well, there's a whole other side. Yeah, that's why there's a choice <laughs> So you, you're kind of yeah. It's kind of, these are all these are all choices, but you, um, it seems like uh, Audrey still has a few people on the line. So there's a couple things selling, but you're saying not very much, huh? No, not. It's just not. I mean, people are realize that they're at where they're at. A lot of people are wondering how their jobs are going to do. Um, people are facing just a, another situation where they're on hold until things straighten out. Yeah, and one of the phenomenons that uh, and Jack could probably talk to this is our buddy Doc was he, he used to do a lot of closings. He doesn't anymore. Just mostly for his well, he's got such a massive family that he just does them for people in the family. It seems like he was always doing them. Uh, when you when you're uh, part of a group that has a whole bunch of kids, and you have a whole bunch of kids, and they have a whole bunch of kids, it's like never ending. But um, 
we know we as a family over is 75 people are between the in-laws and the whatever anyway but he he says you know it's 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 becoming more dangerous for people because two people are working and neither one of them carry the mortgage by themselves so if either one of them gets laid off they have a problem is that is that what you're seeing a lot in answer can one person carry it whoever it happens to be husband or wife no you need to, you need two and if you go down to one they'll they'll me you know Something has to cut back. So it's not going to be that their, you know, it shouldn't be their house payment, but it's going to be more robbing from Peter to pay Paul. People are going to dip in their 401Ks, and they're going to get it done, but you have to endure and you have to move on. So it's going to happen. Um, people will face it when it happens, but anticipating it up front, they, it's, it's useless at this point. So... Right. Um, maybe get the kids to get part-time jobs and stop playing in all these sports and that'd be a that'd be a rough that nature. that'd be a rough discussion. You mean you'd have to stop? I don't know. Is it a, if it's a necessity or want to? Which one do you choose? You mean you got to stop paying twenty grand a year for a kid to play hockey or fifteen or whatever it is? Yeah, or these these travel teams. I mean, the wear and tear on the car, the gas. So, Jack, can you um, tell Nancy's from the south side? Do you endure and move on? Well, we're. Are, are there places to move on to, Nancy? What's what's going on with new construction? And I, I guess maybe over the last three years or so, because things have been kind of crazy. But is there really, you know, a new housing market in the south suburbs, and and where is it concentrated? I would say probably out in Manhattan, further out. Um, Rural yeah, but, areas, uh, right? That are you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got to remember too. Um, even like in Linwood, they've got houses, people have been under contract for over a year or two years. It's kind of like in, say, John, Indiana, it's the same thing. People are under contract and the homes are not being delivered on time, and it's because of a shortage of uh, materials, building materials and goods. So we're getting it from all different sectors for different reasons. Well, I can't, that's that's being tied up that hard. long. Well, I can't imagine well, if you say that. a year late in delivering can be up to a year late in delivery. And then you got to remember the same house that was quoted to you, let's just pick a price, let's say for $200,000 or $300,000 they're going to build for. Um, and it was going to cost the builder, let's say, two fifty, and he was going to make 50000 It might be costing him 400000 to build that house for three hundred. So how anxious is he to do that? You can only buy wood seven days in advance. You know, lumber. Can't, wow. can't stockpile it. You know, with, they have every industry that makes up a part of this is having their own issues to fight off. Well, you bring up so uh, we have new new problems into the the when Tom brings these up, it's great. But the history with before, if you carry it forward, they didn't have all these extra external problems with it. Well, you, you uh, sort of you sort of did, uh, Nancy. The question is, can you? One of my one of my pet peeves is everybody looks at the CPI number, and and how it's you know I I, I think it's been a, f- a ridiculously false number for pushing twenty years, and and, w- and one of the and it's been way low from what actually people are actually seeing. But one of the things that's because of that, which, which unless you unless you did it, you would never think of it this way. But people actually used to use that. I don't think anybody's dumb enough to anymore, but maybe they are. Uh, when you people actually use that number as a guide when you put a contract together, or at least used to. In a Pullman, every everything we did at that time 
when we signed a contract with somebody, well, the one I was involved with, Amtrak, same way. I don't know what specifically what that one was, but in Boston, we got a, we got a, a flat boost up every time the CPI came out. So every quarter, if the CPI was two percent in the quarter, and our our our, our uh, contract was for roughly sixty million dollars for for cars, um, I would say okay, <laughs> it's now you know sixty sixty million one hundred and twenty thousand. With two percent for the quarter, and the guy'd go, "I got the same number, okay." And then we, and the paperwork would fly. Uh, but you people, it, that, I mean, I, I don't know. I never really did it. It wasn't that complicated. But I guess it was never never matched up with like the, the the metals number, say, or something like that, or the whatever the hell the number you would use for the the lights and for the and for the seats and so forth. But basically, it was it was a pretty straight number to most people's. It might have been. You know, the number instead of being two percent might have been one point seven or two point three, but at least at least it was something. It was. It was but if if you sign this, you're talking about the people in Linwood. If they signed that agreement five years from ago and had a CPI kicker in there, well, hell, the, the CPI in five years is going to show up thirty percent, maybe, and, and the price of the stuff you're buying has got to be two and a half times. So it's that. I mean, it, it put, you either are out of business, or you bought the stuff pretty damn early, or you bought lumber futures. I mean, it, it's not the CPI can't be used either, either for for TV, or it can't be used for you on a business. Well, I can't imagine somebody using that as a as a uh, you know. Right now, what what if you had it in your union contract? I mean, you're you're getting it you know, for how many years were you getting a one percent raise, and inflation was really four. I mean, you're way behind the eight ball if you use the CPI, and I, I wonder if that's intentional. To be honest with you, I mean, I, it's worked pretty well for some people, but not not the workers. But no, I mean, it's well if you're uh, for for a lot of people who build anything long term. I mean, Nance, what if you'd have gotten a business of uh, you, you told somebody you'd buy you'd quote them a house and you give them ten houses a year for the next ten years, and the CPI was your uh, was your kicker, you'd, you'd be out of business, wouldn't you? No. I believe so. So that's everyone's got facing challenges in these times. Yeah, but and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Like I, I know when I built my house, I went a title company, um, or the lender had um, a deal where they locked my loan at a rate for nine months, and from the day I started building, within three months they were out of business. Oh, the and ball. I had my deposit. You know, we got your deposit back? I, I did get my deposit back, but I mean, I had to fight like a dog to get it back. And then my builder said to me, you know, you've got your next payment due because there was so, you know, so much when the concrete went in, so much when you were under roof, so much when the windows went in. And I said, I'm going to probably be a couple days late because this place went out of business. And he goes, oh, my God. He goes, when did that happen? He goes, I went and bought a new house based on the deal you got from the same oh, place. Really? Yeah, so he couldn't even back. Like he said, I can't even I can't even back your money because I did the same thing you did. I gave him the money, and, you know, I was like, oh, my God. So the house was completed. So I had two, and then I owned two houses. So 30 days before it was completed, I was running around trying to get a mortgage Without my, you know, escrow money that I had put down, running around trying to fund this guy and my builder, who's also having the same issues, and um, close the house. 
I mean, it was it was just you couldn't have asked for like one domino started falling and they all started going. That's horrible. Well, so you got him. You got him in, and we got you, and that's why you're the best, Nance. Give us a shameless plug. How does somebody find you? Um, 708-341-9601. and um, my email is n dot long l o n g hyphen gram g r a h a m at a t t dot net. What uh, what is it? What are current rates? They're in the sevens. They fell back down. So can so you get it's a? Just, it's a since it's a sandwich. You just never know how anybody's, uh, how much are they going to put down, and where are they, um, what's their credit score? What, uh, what, what, what's the floating That's rate? Commercial. Floating rate a lot cheaper are or we? no? Floating rate a lot cheaper or no? No. There, there should at least be a 1% to 2% spread between those, and they're not. Yep. Okay. So, a lot of people think they're going to come back down. I'm not so sure they are, but... I don't think they go up much more. I hear a lot of people say that to me all the time. I'm going to refinance this loan and get it because rates are going to go down. I yeah, I don't agree with that, but I don't see that. That doesn't mean, I mean, if I could really predict that, I'd be out in Vegas. <laughs> no, you <laughs> wouldn't. Right <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd be trading interest rate futures. <laughs> I'd put you in a regular, a better Vegas. If you, if you knew where rates were going, you'd make a lot more money trading the TLT or uh, interest rate futures than you would. Anyway, Nance, take care of yourself. We won't see you for two weeks, right? You're going on vacation? Yes, that is correct. All right, so we'll see you in uh, three weeks. Giant, thank you for hanging in there. SP Futures down 32. SP Futures down 76. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Time to time, everyone goes bust. You'll be back in the game before you know it.